We are continuing on our theme from last month on building through wisdom. This month we want to focus specifically on the seven pillars of wisdom as found in the book of Proverbs. Our main verse has been Proverbs 9 verse 1 which reads, Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out her seven pillars. We've learned in this series, number one, that it takes wisdom to build anything. And may I say that in Bible terms, wisdom is not intelligence, nor is it necessarily education. That might be included, but wisdom is something else, and I'll define it in a short while. And the more I lead the church, the more I visit around, talk to people around the world, and see people who have built, whether it's a home, it's a business, it's a church, it's a country or anything, I'm realizing that it takes wisdom to build. We built through wisdom. In fact, Proverbs 24, verse 3 and 4 says, By wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious, pleasant riches. So, you know, to build needs wisdom. As we've been talking about, we're doing this, we're going to build more churches, we're going to the stadium, we're going to this, all of that, I'm telling you. It takes the wisdom of God. Because almost 36 years ago, when we started in a classroom at, at Isaacson Higher Primary School in Morocco, there were only 36 people there. And the offering for that month was 120 rands, counting the cents and the whatever, everything there. And how do you move from that? to where we are by the grace of God. 60 churches spread all across. Many of them are streaming this morning where we go to the Orlando Stadium and 54,000 people over three days show up. That doesn't happen by chance. Maybe some of you think that it's easy. Try to do that next time. That's not easy at all. But it takes wisdom. I'm trying to say this to say to you as a member of this church, your story, our story is your story. Amen. That by God's grace, we could start where we started to where we are and where we continue to go by the grace of God. It means no matter where you are, no matter what your level is, wisdom will take you to higher heights. Some of you, you missed a good place to shout amen there. I said, I'm speaking a word of prophecy. And some of you are sitting there like you're an Egyptian mummy. I said, wisdom will take you to a higher place. Come on, I can hear people in the mid-rent more than I can hear people here in Soweto. I said, wisdom will take you to another place in Jesus' name. But it is through wisdom that we build. Secondly, we've learned that biblical wisdom and earthly wisdom are different. There's the wisdom of this world. 
You know, that people used to try and get by. But last week we learned at length about the wisdom from above that we find in Proverbs 3, I mean James 3.17, where it says, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy, good of good fruit, full of good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And last week you were so quiet. There were not many amens, but a lot of ainas. Amen. But we've learned that there's a difference between the wisdom of this world. And I can tell you something. If you will follow the wisdom of God, your life will turn out better in the final analysis. Yeah. You know, there's things that are done in this world. You know. Let me be honest with you. It doesn't lead people anywhere. It may, be, it may be popular right now. It may look very attractive. It may seem like with you, with the decisions that you are making, Uso. But give it time. 20 years shows the difference between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of the earth. And I can tell you, young people, when you choose the wisdom of God, your life will work out much better, by far much better than the wisdom of the world. Thirdly, we've learned that wisdom, and here's the definition, is the ability to judge correctly and follow the best cause of action based on knowledge and understanding. That, that's the definition of biblical wisdom. It's the ability to judge correctly and follow the best cause of action based on knowledge and understanding. That's wisdom. It's very sad that there are times when people are struggling with things, but they are surrounded with answers all around them. But for some reason, they cannot decipher from their environment the answers that are surrounding them. You know? That's why when we read the Bible, you note that the book of Proverbs and the book of Ecclesiastes, which are the words of the wise, one of the things God tells us there is that if you want to have wisdom, if you want to learn, you can even just look at nature, you can learn. Yeah. Proverbs 6, it says, go to the ants. Villandin. Go to the ants. Go and learn from the ants. See how the ants work in summertime when there's plenty. When there's plenty, they work hard and they store up for dark days. They, they rise up early and it goes further. says, the, the ants, they don't have a manager. They don't have a lord, but they are self-motivated, self-propelling. And they have discipline. It says, go and, earn, go and learn. He says, how long will you sleep, Villandine? How long will you sleep? He says, a little sleep, a little slumber, and poverty will come your way. Oh, yeah. So what he's saying is, you know, you can have ants all around and never learn anything from them. You can have ants in your backyard and you see them moving around and never learn from them. And still struggle with things because you, you have ill discipline. You don't have the discipline to work hard. The discipline to stay on course. The discipline to be a self-managed person. The discipline to have goals. The discipline to know when to reap, when to sow. The discipline to know when to dance, when to mourn. The discipline to know what you must do when. Why don't you do that at any time? Yeah. Wisdom will help you to make a department that's not working to work. Wisdom will, will help you to solve things that other people cannot solve. But I have a lawyer on top. 
Marasebuloi. It's wisdom. And think about it. Think about it. Think about it. You didn't use anything that was outside of what they could access. There was knowledge all around. But when you don't have wisdom, you don't see that you are surrounded by answers. Reason this with me, Bahesh. Think about it. Many years ago, you know, you know, before we were able to have electricity, back then in the dark ages, we as human beings, we used to try and make fire, rub stones together, find some dry grass so that we can catch the flame, have fire, and we would live in caves, and we didn't even have lights, not even candles. You know, these lanterns, you know, made out of, you know, maybe the, the, the fuel there was the fat of some animals and all of that, you know. And so we lived in darkness, and things were not like that, whereas electricity was around at that time. There was electricity. Yeah. Even in the presence of solutions, they lived a life like that. But years later, the same human beings discovered what was there all along. And look how electricity has changed our lives. So what I'm trying to say is that we are surrounded by answers all the time. It takes the wisdom of God to realize, yeah. Some of us, we are complaining. We are complaining. We are complaining about our lives. We think our solutions will come from somewhere else. Whereas, we can do what we can do. Let me share this with you, Bazalana. You know, when I became pastor of this church, one of the first things I decided, and I told the congregation then, and I said to them, we are not going to depend on anybody for anything. Or oh, you don't want to say Amen. I said that because I realized churches in our, in our areas were so dependent on money from overseas and money from white people. Now, I don't mind if they give. I will take with a big, broad smile. Yeah, no, I'll take. But I said, we cannot hold our future hostage by having a spirit of dependency. But, mamela, 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 we can start where we are with what we have. Yeah. We can, start, we can start with what we have. We don't have to wait. So with our church at, at Isaac Sinaya Primary, we started at Mavis Hall, Isaac Sinaya Primary, we ran the church like that. For the first four years in this church, I never earned a salary. Langolot. Because <laughs> they couldn't afford to pay me. Thank God I was single, and I must qualify that. I wasn't married. I didn't have the responsibility of a family. I lived with my parents. All right. But I wasn't paid. So we started working. And whatever we did, we cut our cloth to size. We didn't try to spend the money we don't have. That's one of the problems. When people don't have wisdom, they try to spend what they don't have. I know you're not going to like my sermon today. So I might as well just, I'm trying to coax you a little bit. Let me say it now because I was going to say it later, but I just feel like I must say it now. The way you are, the way Lim Quartet saying, I think I must say it now. Let's settle it once and for all with each other. I was talking with, uh, with, 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 with Bishop Doug, and, 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 and I made a study on it that when you will receive the offering, you'll know that people in poverty stricken areas proportionately give more than people in suburbs, in townships, and in gated communities. You see now, you're not saying amen anymore. That's why I'm standing here. I'm not looking left or right. I'm just standing here and I'm looking up at the clock. 
It used to bother me. You know, I mean, I've been to many parts of the world, and you find people in countries that are fairly poor. They are offering proportionately. Remember, just proportionately, the offering is far more than in some of the areas we go to when we receive the offering in gated communities and in suburbs and so on. And I, it, it was a strange. I said, but how come? Then I realized wisdom taught me how to know. Wabana, the guy, Okum Kukung, the guy Okum Kukung, or in these areas, or some of the countries uh, in, in, on the continent, they, they are cash economies. They, there's no loan there. There's no loan there. So, 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 so what you have, you have. So if you don't have the money, you can't have it. Simple. Do you understand my point? So, so, so the guy Okum Kukung, if a regular... They, they are sheet of uh, 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 corrugated iron. Lema planka bashayam kukuzozo for what you Zozo kiabon. Na okaka ibiza zozo mara oxala yo kiabon. You understand what I'm saying? Oxala yo. The zozo is theirs. Right. Okay. So 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 we come. And, and we build a house. Nothing wrong with building a house. We go into debt, and nothing wrong with going into debt if you can manage it. If you can manage it. But then you have to repay the bond. Now remember, as long as you are paying that house, it's not yours. I'm just telling you the truth. It is not yours. So comparatively speaking, the guy who owns something. Technically, oh, come on now, come on. Don't give me that look. They own something. Yeah. Now here it is. They come with their car. Old car. Yeah, yeah, smoker, ne? Now it's an old dilapidated car. It needs a miracle to start. It needs a miracle to stop. I don't know why I'm looking at you, my brother. Maybe the Lord is talking to you. Oh, come on. Here you are. Right? Right? So, Okolotantu, Okolotavrpa, Okolotadijo, because a regular credit to go Ulisi. So now, when offering time comes, Yeah. Now watch. Listen, listen. The issue is not not to have credit, but to not borrow too much. Let me give an example with what we did here. It took us 18 years to give 23 million rents to build this church. But this church came in at a cost of uh, 28 million, right? Yeah, 28 million. So we needed about 5 million extra to finish it off. So we did start building. But then we needed a loan of about five million. My figures might be wrong. I know we needed five extra million. Get right, innit? Hello? Yeah, I, no, we needed, no, we needed five million extra. It wasn't ten. Five million. We needed a loan of five million. Murtifani was still working with us. So I remember when we went to the bank, I said to our leaders, we are going to borrow. Now, there's nothing wrong with credit. As long as you try to build a credit record. And as long as you don't hammer yourself. I don't know in English what coming is, but as long as you don't... Tell your neighbor, as long as you don't hammer yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, 
so when we got the loan, then they, then they worked it out that we should pay it off over 10 years. This $5 million, all right? Paid off over 10 years, and I insisted that they give us the lowest rate of repayment. Because you, you, have, you have to pitch at a level that you can afford. You, you don't, don't go to what you can't afford. Mara, I knew in my heart, whatever they say we should pay, we can pay 10 times that. Mara, I didn't tell them. So, we got the loan. Then we started repaying. I don't remember what our repayment was, but whatever it was, in two years' time, we had finished repaying. Now, 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 now listen to this. Listen, you know this with, 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 with interest. The interest is based on your balance. If you repay more with a loan, a car doesn't work like that. It doesn't matter how much you pay. You don't save anything. If you took it on credit, that's another story for another day. Mara, a house is a different thing. So, we repaid... And, and I remember when we went to pay the last installment, they were in a state of shock. They said, how? You know, how? Then you know about how? <laughs> then they come up with a clause. They say, no, you cannot close the loan off because you signed a deal with us that you're going to repay it over 10 years. So penalties will apply. And I said, all right, we won't require. So we paid and we left 199 <laughs> debt. Somebody say wisdom. You are sitting in a house that was built by wisdom, right here. Yeah. So, so, so we, we owe them 119, and I said, you can, you can work out what your interest is on that. It's okay. Technically speaking, we're still owing them. So, they didn't know what to do. So, after two years, they phoned, they said, oh, you can just forget about the penalties. Just, just pay off. And then we paid off. Oh yeah, that's how, that's how we were able to so Then it meant that we had good credit. Because now there are records that say we can repay in record time. They didn't believe. I'm telling you, about our main contractor who was white, and I need to mention that. Our main contractor who was white, the day he gave me the keys for the church to come in, he broke down and cried. And I thought he's crying because he's praising God. So I raised my hands. I said, praise Jesus. He said, no, that's not what I'm crying. That's not why I'm crying. He says, I'm crying because I never thought you could do it. Yeah. You're going to surprise other people because of the wisdom of God. Oh, come on, somebody shout in this house. God's going to give you wisdom. Ow. You're going to do what people said you can do. Why? Because of the wisdom of God. And then when we did the second phase, we went for another loan because we didn't have all the money. And then we repaid it in record time. And after that, when we repaid everything, the day we paid everything, I came here with a title deed. Raona. Hey! Yo! But then I decided from that time onwards, no more any loan. Everything we buy is cash. Now watch this. Watch this, Basala. So we buy in churches cash. And I'm not saying it to boast. I'm saying it because as a member of this church, if you've been here long enough, you know our struggles. You know our ups and downs. You know our journey. And I'm here to tell you, it's a testimony of the wisdom of God, which is not only on us as leadership. I see the same wisdom upon your life in the name of Jesus. Somebody say hallelujah in this house. So now, and then when we buy churches, it's much cheaper because an existing building, 
There's less problems in heaven to be. You don't have to go through those problems of submitting, whatever. You don't have to do the earthworks. You don't have to do gardening. You don't have to be paying, outsourcing. It's there. And, and right now, it's a buyer's market in some places. So you know how to negotiate. When I negotiate with them, I leave my collar at home. You can't say this is so much. You know this is less than that. Oh, I'm sorry, I withdraw. But that's what I say. But you see, Basalana, several years from now, when you look at the church, you'll say it's worth so much, worth so much. But I wish you can remember that day when it was only 120 runs in the offering. I wish you can remember that day when there was only 35 people in the church. That fr- fr- the, the Bible says the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter. I see your path shining brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter because of the wisdom of God. Can I hear an amen? So the Bible tells us, therefore, that wisdom is intensely practical, not theoretical. It's the art of being successful. You know, when you're succeeding, you may assume that everybody is succeeding. But there's an art to succeeding. Successful people do certain things that people who don't succeed don't do. It's not luck. It's not horoponsies. It's because there are things they do that others don't do. That's why the world is so difficult. We see other people moving forward and others not moving forward. And sometimes I don't know about a ponzi. Sometimes I don't ponzi what was X. Tell your neighbor how a ponzi woman, how a ponzi woman, how a ponzi How? So wisdom is the art of being successful. Is the art of forming, watch this, the correct plan and gaining the desired results. So, it's, you know, during, uh, I think it's in July, if I'm not wrong, the, that month I'm going to be talking about how to, how to build staying power. And, and one of the series that I'm going to do there, one of the sermons I'm going to talk about the how, how, to, how to be a finisher. You know, I'm telling you something. Listen to this. If, 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 if you don't learn to be a finisher, you, you're damaging your life. You've got to learn to finish. It doesn't matter how small the project. There's something about finishing that, that, that sparks something on the inside. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how long. If you look at Jimmy Oyata, the tent, the rep say 10. Do 10. Finish. It doesn't matter how small. Finish. There's something about finishing. Whatever that is. To go for the next. You see? But you see, wisdom helps you to bring a project to its final conclusion. To gain the desired result. Not only to be at a planning stage or at a vision stage or at a wishful stage where your life is going in vicious cycle. You can almost see where you want to go, but you never get there. Have you ever had one of those dreams? Huh? Where you are running away from somebody, they're almost catching you, but they're not catching you. Or you're running to a destination, you're almost getting there, but you're just not getting there. I see God reversing that in your life in the name of Jesus. So the Bible says, wisdom is the principal thing. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. That's number one. It is therefore get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get your understanding. 
And so in Proverbs 8, it tells us that this wisdom built her house. It, it personalizes her. It tells us about this woman called wisdom who built her house. Watch this. And she, she, she shoot out seven pillars. That's what we're going to discuss. Proverbs 8, verse 12 to 14. Let me read it for you. Let's read it together. It's on the screens. Read it with me. What does it say? I, wisdom, yes, dwell with, continue. Keep going to verse 14. Yes. Verse 14. Yes. So wisdom tells us what she has used as pillars, seven of them. So here we see this woman called wisdom. First of all, she's building a house. And for that house, she has cut out. Somebody say cut out. Say it again. The King James says she has hewn out. That means effort. That means applying yourself. Understand these principles are not going to just work in your life if you don't work them. Pillars were used, of course, in earliest times to support roofs of large rooms. And through time, they would use either wood, mud bricks, or stone. Many of the architects had a favorite design. Mostly when they were designing expensive houses and they would build this house, it would have three pillars on each side of the courtyard and one pillar in the center. So it had seven pillars. So this woman called Wisdom had built a house with pillars probably just like that. If we were to go back in time, you, you could want to say, who's this woman? Can I talk to this woman? No, it's not really a, a, a physical woman, but it's, it's, it's using the picture of a woman as Wisdom personified. The reason is you won't find her physically is because she doesn't exist. But what's happening is that we see this woman carrying these characteristics of wisdom which have been personified in her. So wisdom, therefore, has been symbolized by a woman who has built. Watch this. She has built a house, not a tent. It means, therefore, wisdom built what's permanent. A tent can be blown away. But wisdom builds what is permanent, something that is solid. But something solid needs work, needs commitment. And she has built this solid house which is supported. In other words, it's telling us the importance that wisdom is permanent, the permanency of wisdom. In other words, if you want your life to change, you must house wisdom for the long term. You can't use wisdom this month and foolishness next month and expect your life to move forward. And that's the problem of many people. They are not consistent. They do what's right for one month. And next month they're not doing what is right. They do what is right for one week. The next week they don't do. And then when life doesn't work out, they want to surprise themselves. But the scripture tells us you've got to build a house, permanence. And it's got to have these pillars. You've got to embrace wisdom long term. Listen, if you embrace God's wisdom long term, I can tell you, your life will work out better long term. You are sitting in a church, in an auditorium, and all those branches that are there, you are sitting in buildings that have been built through wisdom. 
didn't come through handouts. It didn't come through people being merciful to us. It came in the midst of opposition, criticism, and all kinds of things. But wisdom is the principal thing. I see wisdom coming in your life in the name of Jesus. So in summary, we are told that this woman built this house and it says seven pillars. Very interesting. Did you know that Hebrew words and alphabets have numbers ascribed to them. It's unbelievable. When you read the Hebrew language, certain alphabets carry certain numbers. And therefore, by reading alphabets, you can come up with a number, and those numbers also have prophetic significance. Unbelievable. So the word seven in Hebrew is the word S-H-E-V-A-H, for those of you who are writing. S-H-E-V-A-H. It comes from the root word S-A-V-A-H. And what that number means, it means to be full or satisfied. So seven is the perfect number, the number of satisfaction. That is why God rested on the seventh day. God was satisfied that he has created everything. Everything is complete. Doesn't need any more. God is satisfied, he's full. And so because it means full and satisfied, therefore the number seven speaks of spiritual perfection. Watch this now. You can clearly see this in many scriptures in the Bible. Spiritual perfection is not sinless perfection. Spiritual perfection doesn't mean you don't make mistakes. But spiritual perfection means you're operating at a level of maturity where you can be able to have results in your life. So when we have wisdom, We have a permanent place to live where this house is supported by these perfect seven pillars. In other words, you can embody wisdom as part and parcel of your living. And you can have wisdom in your home, wisdom in your business, wisdom in school, wisdom in church. And everywhere you go, you can apply wisdom. Oh my goodness, how much we need wisdom in this world. And it becomes a permanent feature. So if you look at this, she has hewn out seven pillars. Note what she says in verse 12. She says, I, wisdom, dwell together. Somebody say dwell together. Say it again. Say it again. So we are finding wisdom as a lodger. She's staying somewhere. But she's staying together with prudence. So which means, therefore, watch this, this is important. This wisdom works hand in hand with prudence. From these verses, we see that prudence is the first pillar of wisdom. Now, you've got to know something about the Bible. You know, there's a principle in the Bible called the principle of first mention. Whatever is mentioned first, or whatever is called to be first, you know, Jesus says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, when, when he uses that expression... There's a very important, there's a lot of importance in that. So we see wisdom portrayed as a lodger who lives in the same house with this woman called Prudence. What is the meaning? The meaning here is this. Men and women who are wise are also prudent. In other words, wisdom and prudence dwell together. These men and women are being described here as wise. Watch this now. They are wise, watch this now, in handling practical matters. They exercise good judgment and common sense. Let's say that again. 
They are wise in handling what? Practical matters. And they exercise good judgment or common sense. Or the best way is to say they show good behavior in the way they carry themselves in their behavior. So when you think about their behavior or the the behavior of these people is that they have that ability to judge in advance the probable results of their own actions. People who don't have wisdom don't understand the domino effect of their actions. They don't understand. You know me, Bazar, and I've said this a lot. I'm, I am one of those people in this country, a prophet of God who's crying my heart out over our young people who have given themselves to alcohol. Kyalla every day, Bazalan. Kyalla every day. Kyalla every day. When you see these young, capable young people, with such a bright prospects in front of them. Some of them are adding good money. Young, pretty, handsome, hmm, capable. Driving beautiful cars, they stay in whatever maraba noa. Ba noa man. But I was in I was in Limpopo some time ago. I was preaching in a church in Limpopo. There's a church that I preached to in the Bembe in the Bembe district. You know, I was doing a seminar there, and uh, there's a lodge there. It's the only lodge in the area. Beautiful lodge. So you know, they usually house us at that lodge. But right at the bottom of the lodge, I didn't realize Hunale Tavern. You know, so I didn't realize, but it, I didn't see it. So the noise it wasn't just the noise of the music but that you could hear the voices of many young people I mean I and I thought no I must see I don't just want I I I I I I so I woke up I went to the balcony of the place and I looked when I looked the cars that were parked there German cars VW, Audi, Mercedes-Benz, BMW. I mean, they've got the... And it was like in the morning, early hours, one in the morning. You look at them, young kids, beautiful kids. They're drinking. Drinking like there's no tomorrow. (laughs) Now, these are the very young people who not far from there, they have a parent in the deep rural areas. A mother who brought them up by selling mangoes on the street corner. A mother who single-handedly sacrificed her life for the university. And instead of driving from Johannesburg to spend their time in Lipopa over the weekend instead of being with the old lady. Instead of bringing money for her and spending time with her, they'd rather go to the tavern and drink from Thursday until Sunday. And when they talk about them, they'll tell you, Manu Anuha. I 
I had one minister, he was telling me that. He's so concerned. He was preaching, he said, let me tell you why money anuha. Let me tell you why money anuha. When you were young, uchogoza, wila swaram uchogoza, wahauka letsoho, that's why anuha. Is a house shopper number one and number two? We let's work on it. Oh, Pumula, that's why Anka Unka saw because she's been baked in the sun selling mangoes to give you a living. And now that Osona Lebutla Vanyana Urmanuanua, that's a foolish child. That's a foolish child. I said, that's a foolish child. And I hope some of you young people, you don't embrace that foolishness. You don't know what alcohol can do. Ask us who come from 1976. Ask us why we burned down the taverns and the beer halls. Ask us why we touched them. Because the apartheid system had built beer halls in strategic places. Next to the railway stations. So that when our fathers are coming from working in the city and being abused by Maburu, when they come with their frustration, with their paycheck, before they reach home, they can go into the beer hall and buy alcohol. We lived with fathers who were not sober. We lived with fathers who were drinking themselves into a stupor. We saw what drunkenness can do. We saw what drunkenness can produce. And when we became violent in 1976, we wanted to bring down the alcohol. Because we know what it can do. Yeah. I was talking with one of my friend's pastors. He told me, he says, I, I, I was raised in a home of drunkards. He says, go hire in a group of kitchen. Said, my elder brother would always be the last one who Said, even if I'm sleeping, I'm half awake. Because how can I in a certain mood, right? You do it upside down. And my dad would be too drunk to care. And our mothers had to raise us single-handedly. Katata. Because we had fathers who were absent. They were too drunk to be present. And the same mother who's raised you today, Urwanuha. And you're drinking your life into a stupor. Do you know what that's causing? Do you know how much alcohol will damage your life? Do you know if you can become a drunkard? Do you know the chain effect is going to have in your home? Do you know how it's going to damage your children who are yet unborn? Do you know how it's going to make you to lose your job? It's going to make you get involved in car accidents. Do you understand what you're doing? Do you really understand what you're doing? And I'm so angry with these advertisers because they'll always put young people there. Half naked young people on a yacht. If you are a black guy, then you must have black babies there with you. No, I'm not going to be afraid of you. I'm a pastor. I'll preach. I'm going to preach. Yeah. Is this what our democracy is for? Are these the leaders that we're going to entrust this country into? In a drunken stupor. Because when you are drunk, you have no discernment. You have no... You, you don't have to care about anything. But you see, a person of prudence understands, when I drink this, I might be cool now. But 10 years from today. Yeah? Prudence makes you think about the future.
The true wise and the true prudent are described in Hosea 14. It says, who is the wise? He will realize these things. Who is descending? He will understand the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them. So prudence means we walk in the righteousness of God. We try to do what is right according to God's standard. Prudence then means shrewdness and sound judgment. It's the ability, when you read the Bible, is the ability to keep oneself from being misled. Don't be misled. Don't let people lie to you. Alcohol is not going to make your life better. Don't let them lie to you. Drugs are not going to make your life better. Crime is not going to make your life better. Stealing is not going to make your life better. Being corrupted, none of that's going to make your life better. But see, discretion helps you not to be misled. Jesus says to his disciples, you know what? In Matthew 10, 16, he says, be, be, be humble as doves, Mara, be wise as serpents. In other words, he says, have prudence. Be wise as serpents. When you read the book of Proverbs, you realize the book of Proverbs tells us about prudence. In short, it's saying you can't afford to be naive. But as we go through life, we should gain knowledge. And we do this so that we can avoid the pitfalls in the path of life. Maybe as I preached this morning, talked about alcohol, you're drinking yourself into a stupor. Instead of being angry, learn. Stop today. Stop. Learn from the mistakes. I have one of our relatives who stopped drinking. Thank God for him. And he was telling me, this is a while ago, he said, you know, the day I stopped drinking is the day when I woke up at home. I was at home and I remember I was at a party somewhere, but I don't know how I got home. He says, I am convinced that my car knows the way back home. Really. Because he said, when I woke up, I couldn't account of where I was, how I got there. Yeah. Don't even know what you did yesterday. You don't know. You don't know. And then you want to convince us that you were having fun. Zama <laughs> somewhere. You want to convince us? You're having fun. Huh? You don't know where you were. You don't know what you did. How is you really mankai? How to how to run next to Muto? You don't even know if it's a young go, who's a young Ulorovaleta. How to Halidia Paradisale? How is your way to getting Mauvan? How to be next? And then about Ampella Rutleva. I am a somebody, but let me conclude. It's wisdom that helps us to know the difference between truth and error. Watch. Even if we may be harmless as doves, but we can't afford to be naive. Never think that because we are nice and quiet and smiley, you can take us for a ride. We have wisdom. We know where you are trying to go. David and Solomon are described as men of prudence and wisdom. First Samuel 16, 18, talking about David, it says, then one of the servants answered and said, look, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who is skillful, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, and a handsome person, and the Lord is with him.
He has prudence and he's handsome. There's nothing as said as being handsome. There's nothing more than a turn off when you see a pretty lady. Watch her. Hi, I beg to withdraw. I've changed my mind. Look at your neighbor. How? 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 Tell them. In English, don't go up with a calf. Tell them. How? <laughs> Second Chronicles 2 verse 12, talking about Solomon. It says, Hiram also said, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel who made heaven and earth, who has given King David a wise son, endowed with prudence and understanding who will build a temple for the Lord. It's wisdom and prudence that helps us to build. You know what my prayer is for you? Is that God will grant you the wisdom you so desire. The prudence to build. Listen, listen. Your background doesn't condemn you to that life. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. As long as there is a God in heaven, your life will move forward. It will move from strength to strength, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from vision to vision, from achievement to achievement, from anointing to anointing. I see when people meet you 20 years from now, but I put what has happened to you. But I put because of the wisdom come see you get good home things are fine your resources are fine you're working well educationally you are well career wise you are well you love God you are serving God you are okay you are strong Jesus I can almost see some of you oh come on now and you know what I like about this not only does it affect you, it affects your children. It affects your children's children. Some of you, God wants to use you to turn around the fortunes of your family. All you knew in your family are people who were on the losing side. Because God has touched your life and God's going to move you to another level. Can I hear a shout? Woo! And God wants to move you from glory to glory. If you'll embrace wisdom, embrace prudence, I'm going to allow wisdom to teach me as I walk in the path of God. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Why don't you give the Lord a hand of praise? He's worthy. Hallelujah. Oh, come on, somebody, if you love him, give him a hand of praise. Let's stand on our feet today as we worship the Lord for a while all over the place. Even in the churches that are streaming, let's stand on our feet. Just for a few minutes, the presence of the Lord is in this house. I want us to raise our hands and let that anointing come upon our lives. Let the wisdom of God come upon you. James says, if any man lacks wisdom, 
Let him ask from God. Raise your voice and begin to talk to God. Pray and ask God to fill you with wisdom. Ask him, ask him. Solomon asked for wisdom. Oh, God said to him, Solomon, what do you want? He said, God, I don't want riches. I don't want fame. I don't want honor. All I ask is to give me wisdom. Give me a heart of discernment. Give me a heart that's able to understand. Give me a heart that's able to be filled with wisdom, understanding, discernment and insight. Oh God, that's what I'm asking for. Life change happens when we give Jesus Christ a chance to come into our lives, transform them and change them. Today as I was preaching, maybe you were sitting there looking at your life and you realize your life is really not pleasing before God. And that could be because you've never received Jesus into your heart. You've never invited him to come into your life and to make you a child of God. Only Jesus changes lives and gives us the ability to live for God. As we are standing, our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Nobody moving around, please. If you are here, and you can feel that God is talking to you. You can hear, God is challenging my life. Or you've started thinking seriously about your life, about your actions, about things that have been happening around you. But you want to make an about face. You want to turn. You want to change. You want God to forgive you. You want Jesus to come into your heart. You want God to give you a new life, cleanse you from all wrong of the past and give you a new start and you need prayer I'm here to pray for you whether you are in the sites that are streaming or right here in this auditorium I want to pray for you there's no distance in prayer right where you are as you prayerfully consider and ponder on what the Holy Spirit has been saying to you and you can feel the nudge and the prompting of the Spirit in your heart today to take a step for a life change I ask you please not to say no, not to harden your heart, but to respond today by giving your life to Christ. If that is you and you need prayer, would you raise your hand right where you stand? Just raise your hand and say, yes, please. It's me. Pray for me. Pray for me. My life needs to change. Pray for me. I need God to help me. Thank you for those hands all over this place. Raise it. Even in the places that are streaming, raise your hand right where you are. I want to ask everybody who raised their hand. I want to pray for you. I want to invite you to come from where you are standing. Take all your belongings. Don't leave your belongings behind. And just walk to the front of this building. Just come right now. And those of you who are streaming, walk to the front of that building, wherever you are. Whether you are in a school, whether you are in a hall, in a church building, walk to the front right where you are. Let's give them a hand as they walk. Give them a big hand as they walk. You can put your hands down, but just then, come on, come on. This is your day. Choose wisdom. Choose the sight of God. Choose what God is doing. Choose what God is doing. Choose a different life. God lays before you a new life today. Hallelujah.